Welcome to the Kingdom Life San Antonio podcast. For more information about Kingdom Life San Antonio, check out KingdomLifeSA.com. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Thanks for tuning in. Here's today's message. How's everybody doing? Everybody's good? Everything normal in everyone's life? Nothing changes? You know, just another Sunday here in San Antonio, Texas. Well, um, here's, I want to start us off if I could. Can I kind of ask a favor of you too? Um, I'm going to get the guys to play a song. It's a song some of you have probably heard. It's a four minute song. I'm going to make it three, maybe even two and a half. Just depends. But it's a song a lot of you might have heard. Some of you have not heard. But what I'm going to ask of you that are here and those who are online, take away your distractions. Right now, if you're at home, put down the cheese dip and focus. All I want you to do is listen to the words. I want us to reset and recalibrate. Turn off your phones, close your eyes if you can focus, and just I want you to listen to the words, listen to what the song is saying, and then we're going to talk a little bit. Is everybody okay with that? Crank it up.
if we could ever use a miracle that is now to bring the body of Christ together in a moment that we need to be rising and shining. This is our time. I said this the opening day when we did our first online service. This is our time to rise and shine and be an illustration and a demonstration to the world of who we serve and whose we are. Psalm 4 in the Passion, and I'm going to skip through it because there's three sections I really want to focus on. It's from King David. He said, God, you are my righteousness, my champion defender. Answer me when I cry for help. Whenever I was in distress, you enlarged me. I'm being squeezed again, and I need your kindness right away. Grant me your grace, and hear my prayer, and set me free. May we never forget that the Lord works wonders for everyone of his devoted lovers. And this is how I know that he will answer my every prayer. Tremble in all before the Lord and do not sin against him. Be still upon your bed and search your heart before him. Bring to Yahweh the sacrifice of righteousness and put your trust in him. Lord, prove them wrong when, the, when they say, God can't help you. Let the light of your radiant face break through and shine upon us. The intense pleasure you give me surpasses the gladness of the harvest time, even more than when the harvesters gaze upon their ripened grain and when their new wine overflows. Now, because of you, Lord, I will lie down in peace, and sleep comes at once. For no matter what happens, I will live unafraid. David's talking about three main things of who God is, our our protector, our creator. He's talking about searching our hearts and sleeping and living unafraid. I don't think we can separate those three things of who he is to us, what we do when we come to him and search our hearts, because we know his heart for us. We know his heart for us. So what is it in our hearts that need to be searched to where we can live in peace and unafraid. Whether everybody or anybody thinks about it, right now, we're, a lot of us are entertaining, as Kelly says, so great, low-level information instead of high-level kingdom revelation. And we need more high-level kingdom revelation in our lives versus low-level information. And no matter what anybody what says, I mean, I would love to put people on a lie detector system. You feel in any stress, anxiety, worry, doubt, unbelief, I'd say, it's, we can feel it. You can feel it in the atmosphere. You can feel it when you see somebody. See, my heart aches as a father. My heart aches to see the very things that I'm seeing, not only in our country, but in the body of Christ. But what I'm going to focus on is the body of Christ. Because those are the things, this is the things we're called to do. There's some things we can't change. There's some things we can't. But one thing I know does not change is the Word of God and who God is. And what He tells us to do. How He lives His life through us. Those are the very things that get me going. Those are the very things that my heart aches for, but my, are, my heart aches for what I'm seeing. 
I preached a message not long ago where I said, what are we passing to our children as far as the church is concerned? Not just this church, Big C Church. What are we passing to the next generation? And do they want it? And does it answer their questions? Does it solve their problems? Because we need heaven wisdom to solve earthly problems. And to the next generation, they want to know, can God solve problems? They want to see a demonstration of God solving problems. See, I don't care what theological view you have, issue, political, ideological. But one thing I can see is that if the foundation is fear in whatever you believe, whatever you believe, it's going to affect your relationships and how people see you and how people experience you. Fear is a foundational root of division. It causes us to react instead of respond. And so when we, we, when we react in fear, we're cutting people open. Now, we say it might not kill people but physically, but it does emotionally, relationally, and spiritually. Because even though you don't, might not know this, your words carry weight in people's lives. Every one of you, your words carry weight. I can say something because of the position I carry here, and it has a lot of effect on the way people hear it and then how they respond or react. Oh, he's just thinking this. Your children, your parents, for the older generation here, our parents, our grandparents influenced us, what they thought was important to us, what they thought about us, what they thought is important to transfer over to the next generation. And here I see a lot of young kids in here, and they're going, what do you believe? What is your God? What is your idol? And what is it that brings solutions in your life? Because my kids want to know what brought solutions into my life. Listen. Not a political statement. This is a spiritual statement. The government never solved one of my problems. It's caused them. But it's never solved them. God has solved a lot of my problems. But I had to learn the hard way. I thought I could do everything myself. One thing we have to focus on is what is God doing? And get off the chaos. You know, Richie preached the gospel last week. And who was here for Richie? Who loves Richie the gospel evangelist? I mean, he's one of our favorites. Man, that guy can preach. I mean, I wanted to get saved again because I first thought I wasn't saved after he preached what it looks like to be saved. And I was going, man, I'm in. Save me again. Um, but he preaches about Jesus and he preaches about salvation, how God loves the world. That God loves everyone. And what I'm seeing, what aches my heart is the very people that Jesus said to go after in the harvest, what Richie preaches is the gospel, are the very people we're viewing might be against us as an enemy how can we be called to go to the harvest and be a laborer to the very people we actually think are our enemies does that make sense to anybody I mean think about this rationally I don't care where you are I mean when we take the Bible into our hands and say who are the laborers who are the harvest where's the harvest the harvest of the people that don't know Jesus and when we're running into the world and we're calling the very people that are supposed to be the people we're after to harvest our enemies because of the way they might think differently than we do or we think differently than they do. That's not our calling in life. That's not the Great Commission. Go out and make disciples of all nations to those that agree with you and understand what you're saying. It just doesn't read that way, guys. And believe me, 
of anybody in here, ask my wife, 35 years. I have very strong opinions. <laughs> She's even laughing. I do. I have strong theological opinions, political opinions, ideological opinions. But I cannot, and I said this June 14th, I cannot elevate those above the kingdom of God. We can't. If anybody can bring me a scripture that says, elevate what I believe ideologically, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, politically, above the, above the kingdom of God, please tell me. And I will submit to that. If not, let's focus on what God wants to do. And what he wants to do is see the world transformed. That's what he wants to do. You know, I did laugh. I saw this on uh, some social media. It said, you know, Carrie, Carrie uh, Underwood's song, Jesus Take the Wheel. Jesus doesn't need to take the wheel. He needs to pull the car over and spank us with a sandal. <laughs> I mean, if, if we were driving in a 19, I'm talking to the older people, a 1972 station wagon, and Jesus was driving, and we're all acting like this, we're getting pulled over, and we're getting whacked. The old days, young people, we got pulled over on the side of the road, and we got spanked in, right there in the grassy knoll. I mean, now we go to prison. But I got my butt worn out. You know, uh, we'll pull this car over. Oh, no. You know, we go hands up. You know, we're just like, no. You know, okay, how many of you have had your parents tell you, I'm going to pull this car over? Come on. Go. Yeah, all the older people. All the younger people call the police. We get thrown to jail today. <laughs> anyway, I love that. Um, sorry. Back on. See, and uh, Sean Bowles, I think I'm going to give credit for this. I'm not sure who, but y'all can... Y'all can uh, tell me if I'm wrong. The enemy is, is, is my enemy. People are not my enemy. Look at the soldier in Gethsemane. They're taking Jesus. What does Peter do? Wax an ear off. Jesus picks up the ear, puts it on him. This isn't your enemy. Get behind me, Satan. This is not your enemy. This is a guy you need to speak Jesus to. I guarantee you, when Jesus puts his ear back on, I have a feeling he got saved. I mean, you see your ear on the ground, some guy comes up, slaps it on like putty, and it sticks and works, you're probably going to get saved, right? I mean, could you imagine that? Imagine that. So turn your Bibles to Luke 9, one of my favorite things. This is because I want to, uh, 951, you know, well, don't turn, I'll just read for sake of time. This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible, because it's in the same vein as, the, as there. And it came about when the day was approaching for his ascension, he resolutely set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent a messenger ahead of him. And they went and entered a village of Samaritans and made arrangements for him. And they did not receive him because he was journeying with his face towards Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire down from heaven to consume them? But he turned and rebuked them and said, You do not know the kind of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And my, my favorite thing of the whole story is that they said they went on to the next village. Can you imagine? Here these guys are. The Samaritan said, I don't want you to hear Jesus. Hey, let's rain fire down on these people that don't believe the way we do. They don't believe in, you know, um, they don't believe, believe what I do and they don't act the way I do. Can we rain fire? He goes, you don't know what spirit you're in. And then what do you do? Can you just picture them doing this? And they says they went on to the next village. Grabbing their hands, Let's go to the next village. You know, it's like this. 
Are you kidding me? We just fed 5,000. We just, we, we, we've done all these things, and you want to rain fire on the Samaritans. It seems a little familiar today. And we want to rain fire down on people. And we want to call, I mean, I guarantee you, there's so many curses going on with the way we talk about people and things that we're giving, we don't know the tongue, right? The, the, the rudder of a ship is so small but turns a mighty ship. So is the tongue like a fire that we're cursing people. We're belittling people by calling them names. Now, I'm not just talking about the church. I'm talking about everybody. And no one's excluded from this. And if you are excluded from this, please, I need to go out lunch with you. I need some encouragement. But everyone's caught all, all these names and it's putting people down. And that's not what we're supposed to do. And so... When I read that story, I get kind of excited because we have a culture of honor here in this house. Honor looks different than dishonor. Obvious statement. Honor looks like regardless of what you think or believe, I'm going to honor who you are in God. That I'm going to treat you appropriately. I'm not going to call you names. I'm not going to devalue who you are, though I might disagree with you. I can still stay in relationship with you, though I don't understand it. I don't have to have little side comments about, you know, oh, well, you believe in this or you believe in this. I'm not even saying which side it is. It's both. There's no favorites here. No one should be doing it. And that's what aches my heart as a father. It's like, I don't want my kids and my grandkids to see the very thing because guess what? It's memorialized on social media. This is the first generation where if you're roughly 35 years old your whole life is on social media mine's not thank goodness my kids were looking for one of my arrests in college they said oh, but there's no digital so they couldn't see my mugshot yes your senior leader has a mugshot from college I have a testimony <laughs> I didn't get saved out of the womb and run through Christian schools all my life <laughs> sorry my point is, is that it's the first time in life that someone's life is memorialized. I want you young people to think about that. Your life is memorialized for your kids and grandkids to see. It's not going anywhere. Stupid stuff you said and pictures you took, it's there. Thank goodness mine aren't there. And some of you older people are going, hallelujah right now. <laughs> yeah, all the older people. And so that being said, we have to be careful. We have to have a culture of honor because how do you how how do you actually come around one another if you don't honor and love someone only on the fact that they disagree with you or you disagree with them I had lunch the other day with a guy who I love I, I'm not gonna mention any names and none of you have my calendar so you don't know who I'm talking about and 80% of 80, really, about, I think we agree about 85% of everything we talked about. 15, we didn't. And that 15 was pretty big, but didn't bother us a bit. Didn't bother us a bit. He pulled on, as Danny said, Danny Silver, he says, we both grabbed the leather strap years ago, and we're both pulling on the strap. And that strap is our relationship that I can pull on it sometimes, and he can pull on it sometimes, and it does not, but I'm, we're not letting go no matter what we disagree upon. See, 
It's easier, when is our yes, yes, and our no, no? If I'm committed to Casey Harris, and she can come to me, and I can come to her and pull on the strap, and if she says something, I just like said, oop, never mind, let go. There's no honor there. There's no commitment. There's no loyalty or faithfulness or ability to want to hear something I'm uncomfortable with that might change my life. Because I want my life changed. Believe me, right now, I bet a lot of you are thinking, I bet Joey doesn't receive a lot of counsel well. Who's thinking that? Raise your hand. Because of my personality, okay? Now, I have to admit, at first when I started this process, I don't know, 20-something years ago, yeah, it went down like a big ball of peanut butter. Now I can't live without it, even though sometimes I kick back on it. Ask Chuck and Anna. Ask anybody in my life. I might kick back a little bit, but dang it if I don't want to learn how people experience and see me. I want to see how you experience me or how I'm affecting your life or if what I'm thinking might be wrong. And you know I'm being general here. I'm not going to give you all my opinions. I'm talking about when we dig our heels in and make other people feel like crap. Let's be honest. See, James 4.17, this is a verse that I can never get away from. Therefore, the one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, it is sin to him. That's a, that's a hard verse to get around. When you say something to somebody or talk about somebody or post something about somebody or whatever it is about somebody and you knew the right thing to do and didn't do it, or if you did it and the Lord's convicting you to call them to repent or at least humble yourself to get to know like, wait, I made an assumption on you and that assumption made me judge you, that judgment made me say something and I need to come to you and say, tell me, tell me where your heart is. Is there anything wrong with that? I'm as masculine as you can be, and I think that's, as, that's as, the strongest thing you can do in life is to humble yourself and say, hey, did that hurt? Or, did, you know, am, am, I, am I assuming something on you? I tell people all the time, you have my email, you have my cell phone. If I ever say anything that offends you or hurts you, call Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> email me. Text me. I'm open. Because these are times where you're going, a lot of times, church leadership, you're always going like, where are we going with this? The same place we were going before, being gathered, transformed, and equipped to disciple nations, to change our city, to change people's lives. And whatever happens in the midst of that, everything else is subservient to that calling. Because someone who knows who they are and has an identity as a son and daughter will do the very thing we need to get done, what God wants to get done on this earth. But when we don't know who we are, that we're not a son and daughter, we're acting as orphans, we're going to do what we think needs to be done. And then we run into turmoil. Could you imagine, and I said this a couple weeks ago, remember this in your head above all things, that the sons and daughters of God are your brothers and sisters. I said that a month ago. The sons and daughters of God are your brothers and sisters. How are we treating them? How are we treating them in the midst of this? Is everyone feeling like I'm walking on eggshells around Joey or Kelly or Anna or Chuck or, you know, Josh? <laughs> Everyone's walking on eggshells not knowing if I say the wrong thing, someone's going to implode. Because I might say something about a Republican or a Democrat or a mask or no mask or race or no race or, you know, 
pedophilia or no pedophilia. Let's get real. That's what we're all talking about. But we might say the wrong thing. But see, in honor and relationship, I can say anything and you can say anything and we can have a conversation about it. And it's okay. There's peace. Your anxiety levels doesn't raise because you're going, okay, I understand why you could think that way. I disagree with you. Awesome. Have a nacho. And it's okay. Because God hasn't called me to change anyone's mind. God's called me to point you to him so he can renew your mind. Make sense? I'm not here to change your mind. I'm directing you to Jesus so he can renew your mind. And then he's going to put in you exactly what he wants you to do. Don't do what I want you to do. That's control, manipulation. That's a cult. Do what God's put in you to do. But do it without um, control, manipulation. And, you know, I was going to title this, Christians are mean. Quit being mean. Do it in love. Just do it in love. Life's too short. Man, on my deathbed, I don't want to look back and say, you know what? I told everybody what I thought, and they deserve to know it. And they should have changed their mind. Damn it. All y'all are going to go home and get in the car and say, he said, damn it. <laughs> Bill Johnson says this, if I let something get bigger than my awareness of his presence, of his presence, that issue will take my attention and my mental capacity. See, you might not be relevant to the culture, but be something the culture desires and wants to be like. See, everybody wants to change culture. And you might not be relevant, but are you something they desire to be like? Do they see something in you that says, God, I'd love to, man, there's some qualities there that I want. That if we hold ourselves up to examination, that, that young, the younger generation would say, there's something there that I want to be like. There's something there. I mean, okay, listen, I'm not trying to put man above God. Don't hear that. But there's just qualities, earthly qualities, things that someone sees in you that says, I think, I, I, I think I'd like to be like that. And that's okay. Because, see, Jesus that lives in us wants to change us so people can see him in us. And then that might be a key to someone's freedom. Jesus brought his kingdom to earth about 2,000 years ago. So the question is, are you representing him today? He brought his kingdom 2,000 years ago. How are you representing him today? See, his intentions were that we would represent him inside the kingdom. But the question I have is, or the statement I have, don't let your lips and your life preach two different messages. Don't let your lips or your life preach two different messages. I did not make that statement. I just don't know who did, but I loved it. I actually saw it about eight months ago, and it convicted me, and I just kind of let it percolate in me that my lips and my life have two different messages. It's really hard to say I love you and I'm going to go evangelize the world because there's lost people and I care and love about people at the same time I'm calling them names. It just doesn't reconcile. If we believe in, I'm going to say it again, in the Great Commission, 
how we speak about people because they believe differently than us. I don't care what side of the equation you're on. I'm not speaking to a side. I'm speaking to both sides. Like I said, if you, if all the fathers in here, if you were at a family dinner, when the Torvix is a little bit bigger because there's like 18 of y'all. <laughs> but if you have this family dinner and you saw all your kids fighting over issues that had nothing to do with the family or stupid things like someone got a new tire and I didn't, you know, or talking about why they believe something, you would interject and say, this is, this is not who we are. Would you not, fathers? And that, that's what we're seeing today for everyone to see. It's like brothers and sisters, sons and daughters, raise your eyes. This is not who you are. This is not who you are. You can make your statements, but you can do it in love without subliminal biting, without code name name calling. You can just state your opinion. Because if your kids did it in an ugly way from the back seat of your 72 station wagon, dad's pulling over. And I think there's, this was a time that it's like, at least for our body, I want to kind of pull the car over and have a talk. Because it's ugly. It's not who we were created to be. It's not who you were created to be. I, I mean, if, if that's who we're created to be, if that's who we think we're created to be, I'm done. I'm going to the beach. I'm, I'm making fun. But if this is what we want to be about, I, I don't want nothing to do with it. I want to be about what God calls us to. I'm almost done. And so I want to encourage you two things. Make a habit of shutting down conversations that involve hating or gossiping about other people. Shut them down. Go to the people or encourage the ones doing it to go to the people. That's honor. If someone comes to you with a problem with, for Kelly, which everyone has a problem with Kelly. If someone comes to you with a problem with Kelly, tell her to go to Kelly. They don't need to come to you. When someone doesn't go to the person, that's not honor. Honor is going to the person and saying, I disagree with you or I have a problem with what you said. Believe me, I get that all the time. My lunch the other day was the guy said, Joey, sometimes you paint such broad strokes. I said, I know. <laughs> I've known that for 15 years and I'm working on it. Everyone tells me that. I answered him with a broad stroke. Um, but it's, if, if you have a problem with Kelly, go to Kelly. See, that stops gossip, slander, right, cursing. Because when you're not, when you're afraid to go to the person you have a problem with and you're going to other people, you're not get, looking for counsel. You're looking for allies. And so you're getting all the allies you can that believe the way you believe to persecute Kelly. Sorry, Kelly, I'm using you. Chuck. <laughs> But you're gathering allies, not honoring her, not honoring the disagreement. You're gathering, let's, let's all gather, let's talk about what Kelly did or what she thinks and what she's saying. Golly, and now you're really cursing her. You're not only cursing her, but you're gossiping and you're spreading wildfires and you've made all the assumptions based off something you heard her say that she hadn't even told you yet because you haven't gone to her. Honor shows up. Love shows up where we're communicating. Listen, I don't mind disagreement. What I do mind 
is the unmet expectation of not knowing someone disagrees with me but still talking about me. Who likes that? Who loves for people to talk about them and never bring it up to them? Ignorance is bliss. Nobody. Now, I'm sorry this is not a very theological talk. This is a basic fundamental walking with Jesus talk. Well, what do followers, not Christians, what do followers of Jesus look like? Christian is a big, broad word. Talking about a broad stroke these days, Christian. How about followers of Jesus? Followers of Jesus don't do these things. Except occasionally when they're in the flesh, they're in the bad place, and then they repent. This is a really screwed up time right now, guys. This is a time where everyone's watching. And I want to make sure that we're actually representing him well. The early church had no building, had no money, and had no political influence. Yet they turned the world upside down. They turned the world upside down. But you're thinking, oh, those were 12 apostles of Jesus. Those were the apostles of Jesus. Okay. Turn to Luke 10, if you have it, or I'll read. I'm going to focus on three things in Luke 10. Verse 3, verse 2, verse 17 through 19, or yeah, verse, verse 2, verse 17 through 19 and 27. He's sending out the 70. Are these the 12? No, Joey, they're not. Yeah. These are the 70, the first people to go out that the disciples send out. Because we're always saying, well, we're not disciples. We can't, apostles, we can't do that. Well, they sent out 70 ordinary people. And the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into the harvest field, into the harvest. That's you, the laborers. The Lord is beseeching you to go to the labor field. Go to the harvest, but to represent him, not you. You're representing him. You're an ambassador of Christ. You're not an ambassador to America. You're not an ambassador to London, wherever you're from. You're not an ambassador to Mexico. You're an ambassador of Christ. That is primary. Secondary and, and, and important is our country's heritage. Don't listen to what I'm not saying. Listen to what I am saying. Is everybody with me? Everybody okay? Is that we are ambassadors of Christ and we represent him into the harvest field. So he sends them out and they come running back in 17 and say, the 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Behold, I have given you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall ensnare you or injure you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice. Your names are recorded in heaven. Key verse there. Over all the power of the enemy. Everyone say, all the power of the enemy. And we have all the power over the enemy. So here we are. See, to get 20, and then in 27, he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. See, to get 27, you got to understand 
verse 2 and verse 17 through 19. You got to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and body. And you got to love your neighbor in order to want to go in the harvest field to represent him well. How do you represent someone you don't love? So you got to love the Lord and you got to love others. So why would I go to the harvest field if I don't love God and I don't love people? Bueller? We wouldn't. We're not going to the harvest field if we don't love people and we don't love God. But here's the best part. And if we don't get the next verse either, and that is in that the power that comes on us, they're going, even the demons are subject to your name. Like, we had no idea this, this stuff really worked. That's kind of what they're saying in modern day language. This stuff really works. Your name works. Sickness bows to the name of Jesus. Demons bow to the name of Jesus. And it works. And it's the power that comes from the intimacy and the relationship of loving the Lord your God with all your heart. I watched my wife for the last six months, besides exercising, on her face before God. She's on her face before God, just trying to get filled up. And you've heard her preach from that anointing, that authority. But she's getting filled up to the point to where it's like, God, I mean, she's doing things that are pretty cool. But this is that intimacy and that love for people that demonstrates the power in verse 17 through 19 that demonstrates the love and the desire to go out and make disciples as the representative and ambassador of Jesus. If we can raise our eyes to really what he wants in his faith, we can change the world. All the stuff that's going on, we can change. Shouting about it on social media, not changing S-H blank T. Shout about who we love and what he can do. And I'm on social media and I post stuff. And I'm screaming at the wind and fighting the wind. I'm, I mean, listen, I, I can sit right there and someone can come preach this to me. This is not like, okay, I know who you are. I'm included. We're all included. But until we understand that and can be okay with that, we're going to keep doing it. But if we can raise people's eyes to see what they're missing in Christ, that they're seated in heavenly places with Christ, that they've been empowered to see the earth move in Christ, that the Holy Spirit is much more powerful than anything they can do, that the 70 changed the world. Like I said, the, the, the early church changed the world, right, upside down, without a building money or political influence. Why? Because they walked in power. 1 Corinthians 2, what's the 5, tattooed on my arm. Short version. He said, I preach Christ crucified so your faith wouldn't rest on the wisdom of men but the power of God. It is the power of God that changes things. It's the power of God that the next generation is going to want to come into the church. Not for more uh, intellectual education, but they want to see an actually supernatural demonstration. Who wants to come to church for an intellectual study? They get that at school, study a book, go on YouTube. You want to come into church to get a supernatural demonstration so we can change the world. That's what, I, that's what I see. That's what I love. That's what I'm about. I'm tired of talking what I'm against. Let's talk about what we're for. We're for God having his way here on earth. And I promise you this, scouts honor, if God's having his way, here on earth, spirit-filled believers will all be happy. 
What I mean by that with what's going on in the earth. Now, some of us might be martyred. Hey, believe me. My wife's looking at me like this. I understand the attack on the church by certain political systems. My face on the website, senior leader, attacks on the church. Media wants to know what the church believes about everything. You don't think I think about that? A mic coming into my face? What do you believe? Does a mic come into your face? No. Kingdom life, mic comes to my face. So you don't think I have a thought that what something might keep me up at night? That I might be a little sensitive to things? Sometimes worried about things? But how do I respond or react? I'm still going to press love. I'm still going to press into, this is what we're called to do. I'm still encouraging leaders from around the country and around the world, actually. Every week I'm talking to some other leaders. Because I have another job, right? I have a plan B. I have a company I run. They don't. And they're going, Joey, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? I'm giving them strategies, structures to help them survive. But I just want to use that small little example of, I get it. I wasn't even going to say this, not even in my notes, but I just felt like, to make you all understand, like, I'm not preaching to one side or the other. I have stuff at risk myself. I'm preaching to myself. But we have to focus on what God's doing. You know, when we started the church 10 years ago, just like the early church, right, you never thought we'd be in this 2020. No one saw this coming like this. And I think in the early church when they were preaching the gospel, I think it took a while for them to realize that the Romans were going to kill them. Throw them in the lion den, right? Put them into fight with gladiators. Oppress them. Where they had to go run, hide, do different things. But the only thing that changed the world was the power of God. And that's what I want to get back to. Guys, can we get back to the power of God? We worship him. We say all these things about the power of God in praise and worship. We read our word. You can't get out of the Bible without supernatural something or other happening. I mean, that's the crazy thing about the word of God is that in in all the church is like, how do you read this and believe supernatural events don't take place? Because a guy like me getting saved and changing my heart, that's as supernatural as they get. Healing a broken leg, a fever, a virus, um, whatever, cancer. Why is that depression, anxiety? Why is that more supernatural than changing my heart? And so why can't we really believe, like I read in Psalm 4, God, you are who you say you are. You do what you say you're going to do. Why can't we believe that about what we're going, that's going on now and re- not revert and revert back to the gospel? for the wisdom of heaven to come in and change our world. I'm not saying you have to do nothing, but I'm saying revert back to the gospel and do something that actually might change the world. Shouting changes nothing. Doing changes everything. 
I've never seen a shout or build a company. And I've been in the business world for 33 years. I'm going to build a company. Watch it grow. And he never started it. Do something. But do it for someone. And find out what the calling is he has on your life. Are you fighting a battle you're not called to? Hey, I've swung at the wind before many times. Thought I was fighting something. I was actually fighting myself. God wanted to do a work in my heart, not the people that I was trying to change. And I want to encourage you in that. That, guys, the opportunity we have is, the, is one of the biggest opportunities in the history of the world. Right? I think it would be safe to say that the calamity we're seeing, the turmoil we're seeing, we could all say, like our grandparents used to say, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. How many grandparents said that? I mean, I heard that all the time. It didn't matter what it was. The world's going to hell in a handbasket, you know, just because we started listening to music, you know. <laughs> but why can't we change the narrative and say, nah, on my watch, the world's not going to hell in a handbasket. On my watch, the harvest is plentiful, and the laborers are few. And so I beseech you to be a laborer to go into the harvest, to represent the king, of ambassador of Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit, to do the very things he's called us to do so we can see the very world that we want transformed, transformed. Is that hard to ask? It's hard to do. But that's what I implore for not just our body, but for the, the church as a whole. Get focused back on what we're supposed to be doing. Not get distracted by, the, by all the events of the day, though they could be disturbing and distracting, and they are. But guess who has the answer? He, every topic we're talking about, God loves it more. Don't be arrogant enough to think you love something more than God. Because all the brother, his sons and daughters are all brothers and sisters, and all of them that are suffering around the world with Everything that we've read on social media, I want to add starvation, if we can. <laughs> Nine to, you know, we all throw out all sorts of stuff, but even starvation, that actually people are starving to death, which is a true, you know, that he loves every one of those people we're talking about more than we do. But guess what? He calls us to be the solution. And so that's my, that's how I want to close. It's, are we the solution, or are we just another voice, another voice? Why can't we be a solution? I'm all up for solutions. I'm all up for ideas. You have ideas about something? Let us know. I mean, you know how many ministries have come out of this church. It just different things. Money's going different places. We're all open to ideas. We're not into shouting without doing anything. Stand up with me. Father, I just pray right now that first everybody that's offended forgives me. <laughs> I'm messing. Father, we just love you. We know you love people more than we love them. Give us your eyes. Give us your hands. Give us your ears, give us your mouth to speak life. Father, to touch with love, to pray with hands of healing, to listen, to understand, but to be bold and courageous in a time of need. Father, we are your army, but Father, guide us, you're our general. 
Keep our hearts from trying to guide our own army of our own life and allow us to submit to what you're doing and what you want done in this life for us. I've sat at the general's table of my life for so long and I always made mistakes. I pray, Father, you direct our, direct our steps. Fill us with your Holy Spirit that we may have the power to do the very thing you call us to do. And may we see people as sons and daughters, as our brothers and sisters. And send us into the, and send us into the harvest, Father, to represent you well. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Oh. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Don't forget to check out our website at kingdomlifesa.com for more podcasts, updates, and events, or find us on Facebook and Instagram. Have a blessed day.